Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Today we're going to pick up with part two of the Myers-Briggs and using that in parenting and with your kids. If you haven't already listened to part one, go ahead and go back and listen to that and then come back over as we jump right back in. And the other part for the child who's more intuitive is making sure that they recognize that other people's feelings are not their responsibility and that they can maybe see or pick out that people are not feeling great and then they can feel this compulsion to try to help them with that. But you could train your child to say, listen, it's nice that you notice and you can offer support, but it's not your responsibility to help them solve that. And then also helping to educate them too is that they may be also overly responsive or overly reading into what they're perceiving that's happening and helping them to know that your intuition is a helpful thing, but it's not 100% spot on every time. And so you don't want to just take it as though it is actual fact, but that it's a good cue that can help you follow up. And I think that ties really closely into thinking and feeling. We're based on the information that they get and what they gather from whether their senses or their intuition. Now, how do they make decisions based off of that? Is it based just on the facts or is it also including kind of that feeling of others and how it will impact others? And so I think those are tied pretty closely as they gather information and then act on it. And so for the thinking child or the feeling child, for the thinking child, helping them, again, move a little more towards the center and understand that your actions do affect other people and other people, it's oftentimes helpful to take them into consideration when you're making a decision. And then for the feeling child to understand, yes, considering other people is good, But also, sometimes you need to make a decision that might negatively impact other people, but that is ultimately something that you need to choose to do anyways. So it's understanding that there's this balance that you can use beneficial aspects of a feeler as a thinker, but that you're always going to tend towards thinking. But also, same thing with a feeler is that you can still use the beneficial aspects of a thinker as a feeler, and then recognizing, okay, I am this, and this is what I tend towards. And then if I want to be healthy, I have to use a little bit of something else on the other side of the aisle sometimes. And when we look at judging and perceiving, we can see how does a child organize their external world as well as bring closure to things. And so we just came back from vacation and we were staying in an Airbnb. And one of my daughters, every morning she had her bed made and she asked me to go get her pajamas. And she said, oh, it's folded up in the top drawer of the dresser with my stuff on it. And so I walked in there, the bed was made, and she had her pajamas folded up exactly where she said it was. And on top of the dresser, she had all her other belongings organized. And I can see just in general, that's how she likes to operate. When we got a new bookshelf, she was so excited because she was like, oh good, now we can put things away and organize. And once we cleaned up the room, she just said, oh man, this feels so much better to me. And so she really does like organizing the external world so that she can feel better and more at peace internally. Now, a lot of kids, if you don't make them, they won't clean the room, but you can tell when one cleans a room, they'll get energized by it, but then another actually may be frustrated or unhappy about it. And so one of our kids is a little bit more of a pee, wants stuffed animals literally everywhere, and the other one is much more of a J. 
the stuffed animals is kind of more of an indication that uh, that child's more comfortable with a level of chaos versus what Ruth was describing there with our daughter where she had everything in its place and it was all organized and she knew where everything was is more of an indication of Jay. And kids who are more comfortable with chaos, uh, you can also see this if you send your kids to school, if you look at their backpacks, right? If there's just random paper stuffed in there everywhere, they're probably a little bit more on the P side. If everything is in a binder and a folder and organized by class, then you'd probably have a J on your hands. Right. And going back to the stuffed animals, it's not that the J kids would not have stuffed animals, but it's that it'd probably be lined up along their bed or, you know, put in some sort of order. Which reminds me of the differences in our kids when I asked them to clean up the room that has the dollhouse in it. One of my daughters will take all the dolls and put it in the dollhouse. And the floor is clean. Nothing's on the ground. Okay, check. Mom's going to think this is clean. Whereas my other daughter, she wants to make sure the people are all sitting at the right place and everything's staged perfectly. And it's so funny because actually when we were moving, we were selling a bunch of our things and one of our friends wanted to kind of see the house we were renting from a dear friend of ours. And so we took a video and did a video tour of the house so I could send to them. And so my daughter saw that and she asked me for my phone and she had set up and staged her big dollhouse and went through with my camera a video tour of each area of the house and talked about the different plants, talked about the different windows and the entrances just within her dollhouse. And that is very much a J personality. And I thought it was just so sweet and so cute. And it actually looked really beautiful. And she took some pictures and the pictures were really well done as well. And I think, too, understanding that if you have a J child, they need a little more structure and predictability in their life. So even if you're going to be doing a good thing, they are less prone to enjoy a surprise with a good thing and are going to be more likely to enjoy the anticipation of it rather than the surprise versus peas want a little more freedom and flexibility in how they choose to do things and so if you're a j parent you don't want to structure them on a rigid schedule kind of thing they're much more likely to buck or struggle with that because they need a little more freedom in choice of what they're going to do and when they're going to do it but then peas are much more likely to enjoy a surprise or something that they don't know is going to happen and so part of this too is that they are kids and so if you are extremely J, it could be very frustrating when the house is out of order and the kids are playing, but they're also kids. And so having a place where they can freely enjoy and same thing, not shaming them for that, but also teaching them and guiding them to learn good habits along the way and to learn to clean up and learn to pick up, but also knowing that basic idea of them having that internal world structured so that they can have the freedom in their external world. So one of the things that's helpful in identifying your kid's personality type is also for you to be able to teach them more what they tend to need or areas that they can work on to be helpful. If you can understand or identify what their likely personality type is, then you can help guide them towards fulfilling the needs that they have in those areas. But if you have no idea, sometimes some of the behaviors that are exhibited from an unmet need in a personality aspect just seems like they're being disrespectful or giving you attitude. But in actuality, they're just running on empty in a certain need area. And I'm sure a lot of you have grown up in the my way or the highway type of household. 
And so I know I've already said this, but just reminding you that there are clear times where they need to obey and they need to do what you're asking them to do. But in other times, allowing your child to be free and to grow in their strength, even if it's different than who you are. And I would even say allowing your child to help you grow in certain areas as well. And you can also use their personality to address how they approach conflict, how they approach communication, how they approach new situations and changes. And so I would even go back and listen to all the other episodes where we talked about, but maybe with now the mindset of your children specifically in mind. Because it can be so validating and encouraging to celebrate the differences in our kids and to celebrate some of their strengths, even though maybe there's a stigma and learning to really appreciate their unique personality traits. And so we covered the Myers-Briggs overall and their preferences and the different types, but each of your children and each of you are gonna be different in how you specifically express each of these preferences and traits. And it's so good to appreciate these differences in your spouse and yourself and in your children as well. And mirroring what you're saying there, and something I think we've said in past episodes on the MBTI is that there is not a right or wrong when it comes to the personality type. Now, somebody else's different personality aspect can kind of grate on you, but if you look at it and you have the perspective of it's not wrong, it's just different, and there's areas and ways that people being different can give me insights that are helpful or beneficial, then it allows you to have a different perspective on those differences from you and then allow you to appreciate those differences and then learn and become better yourself from understanding that difference of perspective. And I think by understanding your children better and yourself, you can really identify potential challenges and almost anticipate those challenges that they'll face and develop strategies ahead of time to help them overcome that. And so really setting them up for success ahead of time. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this journey we've been going through on the MBTI personality and relationships. It has been our longest series to date. We appreciate all the listeners and everybody who's been with us through this whole series so far. And if you have something in particular that you're interested in knowing more about or a subject matter you might like to hear us cover on the podcast in psychology or relationships or about trauma, we have a Facebook group that you can join. We have a link to that in our show description. So go ahead and jump into there. Or we also have an email that you could send to us. And if you ask about that, either in the Facebook group or on an email, we might respond to that or we might even make it a podcast episode. Again, thank you so much for listening and we look forward to seeing you in the next one. And remember, your mind is a powerful thing. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.